Welcome to Revenue Jam, powered by Sales Assembly. With monthly live sessions, interviews with our executive team, and exclusive conversations with revenue leaders across B2B tech, this podcast is guaranteed to help you close the skill gaps across your entire go-to-market team. If you're looking for weekly, relevant, and timely content like this, go ahead and subscribe. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the most recent episode of Fireside Friday with Sales Assembly. I'm Jeff Rossett, and I'm joined by a longtime Sales Assembly member and a really active member of the leadership space here in the overall tech ecosystem, James Hornick of Hirewell. James, welcome. Thanks for having Jeff. Good to be uh, here. Glad, glad you could join us. I've always loved having you on the, the weekly and monthly sales leadership calls that we do. You're always in there dropping great knowledge, asking good questions, bringing up interesting topics. So super excited to have you joining me today. I'm going to jump right into something that I think is not only extremely relevant to your world, but obviously everything that's going on surrounding us right now. Um, How do you deal with change, but more in a strategic way? Like how could a business go about making really sharp, direct pivots and decisions and evaluating new ways to move forward. And I think there's no better person to answer this question than you being somebody that runs an organization in the recruiting space that does a lot of work with tech companies. Obviously, 2023 has been a crazy time for a business like yours within a market that you play in. So would love to hear about how you've gone about just navigating these waters and leading your team through so much uncertainty. Yeah. So it's going to sound like such a basic answer, but you just have to talk to people and and see where the opportunities are. Like recruiting in the recruiting space, like the one huge advantage we have is that we, by nature of our job, we're we're always, we're building good relationships. And I I think that services always have an advantage over software and that like, no matter what you're recruiting specifically, but also anything else in the services space, like things are much more relationship driven. Things are tend to be maybe a little less transactional, whatnot. But in the recruiting space specifically, we're, we're talking to people about their livelihood and their jobs and helping them out, you know, and thing is like, those aren't even people we're selling to, but they can be, you know, and a lot of the best relationships, we we a client relationships. So from people who could be buyers from us someday, they're people who we help get jobs at some point in time. And it just, it buys you a lot of, of goodwill to be able to kind of talk with those types of people. And then with us specifically, we have a lot of different practice areas. So we recruit salespeople and marketers in tech, but one of the areas we recruit a lot of is HR people, as well as, you know, internal recruiters as well. So as we're, so for us to see like what opportunity is out there in terms of pivoting our business. And before this thing started, we talked about, we've actually pivoted away from tech a little bit, like SaaS and tech have been huge areas for us. Right now, our, some of our biggest growth areas have been like manufacturing and supply chain and logistics and some of these other spaces because the people we've talked to, maybe in HR, TA, or in sales, have they've made their own career pivots into those spaces. And then we've been able to kind of get us engaged maybe with our companies as they have other hiring initiatives. So it just the best way, I mean, you, you can, I'm, I'm a big fan of reading about like news stories and following who got funding and all these types of things, but I do believe that just connect reconnecting with your best contacts and the people who bought from you before or people you've had good networking relationships and just finding out what they're seeing in the market is too just to give you a better idea of like where you should be pivoting to but luckily for us that's kind of like by nature of what we do it's something it's that's a daily thing so and and when when did you guys start to make some of the shifts in terms of the 
the markets that you were working with? Like how soon after things started to get a little goofy last year, did, did you guys poke your head up and say, Hey, you know, changes are coming. I think the writing was on the wall last summer. I, I think like a year ago this time. So last, let's say May, June, it was like, I, wow, I hope this isn't happening. And I hope things aren't falling apart. But by, by July and August, it was like, okay, things are going to start getting harder. And then by the end of the year, they definitely did. We doubled down on, we're a very organization. We have a lot of recruiters who are also account managers. They kind of both manage, you know, candidate relationships and working with companies. But we hadn't really, most of our business every year is always by referrals or existing clients. I mean, that's typically 70% of our business. But it wasn't something we expected everyone to do. Like, it's great when it does, but we we didn't want to put added pressure on people, especially the more junior staff might be learning kind of their jobs. But that is something we started leaning into pretty pretty heavy, like last, you know, Q4, realize it's like this could get really bad. And it worked. So we were able, we we were able to get a lot of new clients kind of the beginning part of this year. Now I'll, I'll say that like this year hasn't been, it's been off and on. Like we've had some good months, we've had some bad months. A lot of the new clients we get, they aren't huge clients, but it's it's kept us in business and it's kept us kind of pivoting in different areas. But I guess the short answer to your question is like the writing was on the wall last summer, but we kicked things into overdrive probably last October, November in terms of like turning into a hair on fire drill. So got it. And like as, as sales assembly is a company that works with a lot of B2B software companies, mm-hmm. that industry has gone through some ups and downs, a lot of downs over the past nine or 10 months. We're starting to see some uptick in fundraising in hiring in companies that are opening back up budgets and companies that are starting to look ahead to the future versus just how do we maintain the current as a business that's also on the front lines working on the talent piece, like, are you starting to see some of these shifts? What are, what, what are the signs that you're seeing picking up here in the economy and with, with hiring? I would say it's still been off and on, man. Like this past week was probably the best we've seen in terms of like inbound companies reaching out to us saying, Hey, we want to talk or people coming out to us talking about their Q3, Q4 hiring plans. So that's a good thing. Like when people start talking about, hey, we're making plans for the rest of the year or for next year or beyond just, hey, I need to hire one person. So maybe that's a good answer for you is like when it's not just about, hey, there's this one hire, but hey, I've got a hiring plan, which we have starting to see, you know, a bit in the past like week or two. I won't lie. Like the preceding three or four weeks is probably the slowest weeks we've had. So like the demand curve we've seen from like, people getting back to us with these larger engagement discussions as well as maybe inbound. So net new from that standpoint, on top of like the relationship-based stuff, it's been up and down all year. So, but yeah, I I don't think we're out of the woods yet, but I do like, I do feel good from what I've seen the past week and a half or so that things could be turning around. So. Yeah. Okay. We'll take it. (laughs) So, and, and, and in times like this, Obviously, exploring any type of way to go out there and generate new business, whether it's outbound, whether it's sponsoring events, you know, whatever the case might be, all things on the table. I know like customer-led growth, that's been a term that people throw around quite a bit. I've heard you talk about it before. Share with share with us like how do you view that tactic as a way for companies to really grow and and how do you see it playing out in the months and years to come? The funny thing is, is that like I'm I'm such an outsider in the SaaS space. A lot of the the terms that get used regularly, like I'm, I I didn't hear customer led growth as a term until that event you guys had it was like a month ago <laughs> when the 
I think Kevin Chu was like, like dropped it. He was talking about the sales led growth and product led growth and customer led growth. Then he explained what it is. I'm like, wait, that's, that's all we've ever done is like leverage our existing kind of client relationships and whatnot. So we've been more intentional about gaining feedback from our clients and finding out who's been happy with our service. And then, you know, hitting those best clients up for referrals basically is been kind of the playbook. So just kind of understanding like who's had the best experience. The the feedback portion is also good because it's really easy to think in, in services and like ours, okay, they're doing more hiring. They keep coming back to us. They must be happy, like making that assumption. But it's not always the case. I mean, well, I shouldn't say it like that, but like there's always more to it. There's always more you can do to make sure you're kind of improving your service the way you go about things. And so kind of garnering that feedback. And then I think that also kind of strengthens the bond you have when they can see like the way maybe you're going about your delivery is improving. But yeah, I, I think that just reconnecting with people more often, finding out who's happy, beg, borrow, asking for referrals any way you can. But shocker, meet people in person, probably the most underrated one. We get so sucked into these Zoom calls and email and everything else that while we've gone national, we are still very Chicago focused. We've had a big kind of push in terms of just meet people for coffee, meet people for lunch, like no matter if it's existing client or potentially new one, just make sure you're doing as many things in person as you possibly can. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like I, I personally went through this transition where right at the beginning of COVID, I was like depressed and, and just like excruciatingly hating waking up every day and just like going to my home office and not going to in-person meetings and not going to events. And then I got into a groove. And then like when things started to open back up again, I was like one of the biggest detractors from saying like, whoa, 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 like, I yeah. kind of like this, you know, wearing sweatpants to work and not having to leave my house. And I think now I'm back into like a nice mix where I actually enjoy going out and meeting people. And I was just in Austin for an event that we did a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you, it's great. It's great to to get together. There's just like the types of conversations that you have, the ability to spin up three or four like high quality meetings when you're coming into town, like nothing beats it. And we've, we've gone through a really long couple of years where we kind of forget yeah. salespeople, like what it's like to get out there and and meet for coffee and have a drink or just, you know, meet people in person. I mean, it's, it's great and it's energizing and there's momentum from it. And I think we're going to start to see a big one, comeback. One more thing I want to throw on top of that, because you just made me think of this now too, because I said like, we're, we're probably half of us are in Chicago and the other half around the country. And a lot of those people who are around, there, there's a few examples, people stick out in my mind who they decided they would rather they want to get more involved in business development. They weren't based in Chicago. We're all based, but they realized like, I can do the same things here. So we have a one guy in Cincinnati who's been like going to every networking event he possibly can. And there's actually two people there. So they've been kind of, kind of partnering up on this type of stuff yeah. because people in smaller cities, they like having a social, like a, a local presence. You know, if you're in Cincinnati or Buffalo or someplace like that, which are solid places, but they don't have like the amount of like service providers that a Chicago or a uh, Austin or uh, the Bay Area or New York would have. But just by knowing they have someone kind of local, it means more to them versus like working with a firm that might be based out of some other area, but says they sure. can kind of support where they are. So anyway. Yep. Yep. And going back to the event that you mentioned that you came to with us a month or so ago and the referral strategy, when Kevin was on stage, he talked about something that I, I got to admit, like I've never really considered as a strategy of yeah. asking your current customers Hey, could you make introductions to the last two companies that you've worked with? Like we're always asking people yeah. for introductions to like people in their network, but the lowest hanging that fruit was... are the organizations that they just left, that they they know the people, they they understand the vendors that they work with, they probably have good relationships. 
why are we not asking those people for not only their past job, but, but their two past jobs? And there could be, just be like a wealth of information that you could gather from these folks and introductions that we don't even bother to ask for, right? That was right. my number one takeaway because we, we've always, I've always thought we've done a pretty good job of asking for referrals, but like the amount of time I've asked for one, they're like, yeah, I don't know anybody who's hiring right now. You know what I mean? But like, did you ask for like one company in particular? You know what I mean? Because I think that makes all the difference because when you yeah. put things in very specific terms for people saying, Hey, who at your last employer, you know what I mean? Last company could like hire or something like that. Like that's a very specific and they'll actually think about it and then come up with an answer versus do you know anyone hiring? And they're going to be like, nope, I don't, you know? So get more specific was my big takeaway from that. Yeah. Yeah. Great event. Great event. Great topic. A couple of personal questions that I'll throw at you and then we'll close with with one that I think a lot of sales leaders will be interested to hear first concert that you ever went to that you can remember going to beastie boys 1994 lollapalooza oh, really dating lollapalooza was a traveling tour back in the day people forget about that well, did, um, when did it start? didn't it start like in the early to mid 90s like that was right around the time yeah the first shows they did right 90s. it started yeah that might have been a third or fourth show i think it started like mid 91 92 and i went to the 94 show the headliner was supposed to be nirvana Obviously that got canceled, but it was the Beastie Boys and Smashing Pumpkins and it was awesome. So okay. okay. And then and then bringing the current, what's the most recent concert you were at? Oh geez. That's gonna be the harder one. I don't even know. I know that I'm going to the Run the Jewels concert in uh, at the shed, salt shed in September, but nice. I don't even remember my last most yeah. I I'm blanking on that one. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Being a Chicago guy, what's your favorite restaurant to go out to in the city? My favorite go-to, I mean, I'm in the Ukrainian village. I love split rail. They've got great fried chicken, amazing biscuits. So that's probably like a once a week thing. Cause it's very walkable. So yeah, I'll stick with that. Isn't it amazing that fried chicken sandwiches, it's like the hardest thing to get wrong. And yeah. I just love the wave of restaurants that have started to put those on. Like you can't go anywhere in Chicago, like over the last couple of years that don't feature an unbelievably delicious fried chicken sandwich. So like chef's kiss, there you go. Good, good recommendation. I've never been to split rail, so I'll have to check it out next time I'm in your, uh, your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Somebody that's working with sales leaders, hiring salespeople for many, many years. We all know the horror stories about how hiring goes wrong and how companies like really struggle with finding the right people to come into their organization and sell. So like, what are, what are like the most basic yet often forgotten about things that that leaders should think about when either interviewing or questions that they're asking or th- ways that they're screening to make sure that like, we're going to invest all this time, we're going to invest all this effort hiring and ramping this person, they're going to be productive, they're going to provide a good ROI for our business. Like, what would you tell a company that's just starting to, uh, to hire? They're like, we got to get these hires right. Well, I, there's the two things off the top of my head that companies get wrong the most often. One is they undervalue range. So I think people get obsessed with specialization where they want someone who's done exactly this at exactly this type of firm and and whatever. But if you're hiring anybody who's, whether it's sales or any other skill set, one of the, one of the most important skills someone can have is like when they're facing like a, a new challenge they haven't faced with before, how do they overcome it? How do they solve it? And how do they do it quickly? The more broad experiences you have over your life, the more apt, the more experiences you have to pull from to be able to solve those types of challenges. And I think that I'm sure you can kind of relate. You've probably seen organizations that 
Um, they might look down on people who came from this other background, or maybe they didn't come from SAS. They they'd have to figure this all out. But like none of the stuff is that hard, you know. So I think that like having a having a better way to vet people based upon like they come from X Y Z industry for the X amount of years, mm-hmm. and just realizing what we're really evaluating is number one. Number two is people are companies are notoriously bad at actually selling themselves when it comes to hiring. There's overcoming. Um, I think that people get so close and they're so proud of what they're doing and what they built. And, you know, there's, there's ego involved. Like you, you think your product is the best, your sales organization is the best or whatever else you part of the company you work is the best that people should know that and they should want to work here, you know, but they don't like, there's a lot of great companies out there and having the empathy to realize that you need to like, you need to treat this like a sales call where you need to understand where the the job seeker is coming from and you need to be able to kind of relate to them in their terms the way you would sell anybody else that way they're getting the value out of the conversation that you want and not just assuming that they're going to know everything or that they should know everything because like i said there's it's never been easier for candidates and job seekers to get information not just from your company but every company that's out there and so you have to go above and beyond if you want people to kind of to work for you and not just assume they're going to because you're that damn good. Yeah. I mean, I really like the, the first point, most of all, especially in the hiring situation that we're in right now, especially within tech. I mean, if you open up a rec for an account executive, you're going to get hundreds of applicants that have very similar backgrounds. And if you're mm-hmm. looking for somebody with three to five years of you know, SMB or enterprise experience working within SAS. I mean, there's there's endless amounts of candidates, especially because you're not hiring in one specific geography. If you're open nationally, yeah. you know, it's gonna be really hard to differentiate. And so like really understanding what are what are those intangibles or like, you know, the the breadth of what they could ultimately do outside of the scope of maybe the industry or the type of technology that they sold, I think are those are really the things that are sometimes hard to screen for because you can't see it on a resume all the time, but you find somebody that that really has some of those intangibles and, and that's what could be the differentiator between them and somebody else that just comes in and fizzles out after six months. So yeah, I've seen it happen before. And, uh, and a lot of, you just go off the resume, you go off of the exact work experience. And sometimes you could be a little bit short-sighted with the hiring. Yeah. And that's, that's a recruiter's job, whether it's an internal recruiter on your staff or whether it's someone external, like, Given your the whoever recruiters work like there's it's their job to screen people and to vet people, but giving them to leeway that if you feel really strongly about somebody, even though they might not hit each of these requirements, because no matter how it starts, you're ahead of sales. You're like, here are my five requirements. You know what I mean? But yeah. you have to give the person that you're trusting to do this work, you know, the leeway to say, okay, they don't hit these five, but I believe in them because of this, this, and this, and that you actually talk with them and let hear them out. I think that's a really critical thing too because. Way too often I see across every skill set, it's always like, if they don't hit this, 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 like, I don't want to talk with them, but that's why you miss these other candidates. It could potentially be great because they might have some skill set you hadn't thought about before. So, yeah. And and just in the couple of years that we've really begun hiring at Sales Assembly, like some of the best people that we brought into the team are, are ones that they might not have checked all the boxes on, on a resume, but they they brought those intangibles and they brought the things that were like, these are additive things to our business. These are things that we don't currently do. And, and these might be some things that we didn't even know we needed. And they turned out to be, you know, the, the best performing folks on the team and versus us just getting into tunnel vision about exactly what we might want to see in a resume. And, and uh, you know, I think it's important to think think through it that way. Yeah. Uh, and if you and if you don't have a recruiter that you feel confident can actually tell you, hey, this is someone I need to talk to. 
There's the pitch. There's the Look call to action. Come talk Look to me. Man, <laughs> years of the CRO are really, really starting to pay off, man. <laughs> this is great. I appreciate you jumping on amongst your busy schedule. How can people reach you if they want to continue the conversation? They want to get your advice about some things that they're working on. What's the what's the best way to find you? So if you want to email me, james at hirewell.com, super easy email address or LinkedIn. I'm easy to find there too. So it's James Hornick. Search me on LinkedIn. I think it's actually LinkedIn dash James Hornick is so yeah. I'm on and you're always time. posting good stuff. You're always contributing to the ecosystem with good content. So uh, for the folks listening, if you don't follow James, give him a follow. Dude, this is awesome. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll see you around Sales Assembly. Everyone else, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revenue Jam. If you want more practical tips and sales leadership advice, join us for our monthly live sessions. You can join in the conversation with Todd, Sam, Jen, and Matt every single month by going to lp.salesassembly.com slash live. And if you're looking for a solution to upskill your entire go-to-market team, check out salesassembly.com slash tour to see an ungated interactive demo. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.